Wouldn't it be great if you could sit on that uh, mountain and just uh, cast all your cares aside and just sort of soak it all in? Wouldn't that be nice if you could do that today? What will it take to bring peace to your troubled heart this morning? I know that we struggle with feelings of insecurity about lots of different things. You know what they are in your heart right now. Bill and Jeannie were trying to have a baby for years, and the doctor finally confirmed their greatest fear, that it was another miscarriage. And so grieving and in search of some encouragement, um, they called Jeannie's father. Jeannie's father had been a spiritual leader in the home and in the church, and they just needed someone to talk to and listen. And so he listens, and he sympathizes with them. He listens to their pain. But the only words that seem to come out of his mouth and into his mind were these. I'm so sorry this happened to you again. I'm praying for you too. But during this difficult time, just try to remember Christ is all you need. Mike's driving home from the office for the very last time for after 21 years of faithful service, he got laid off. You know, there's due to budget issues and the middle management is always the first to go. He's embarrassed. He's, he's really upset, hurting inside. He has no idea what he's going to say to his wife. So when he arrives home, Cindy meets him at the door with a kiss and he can't even hold it in. He's uh, in a moment of emotion and frustration. It just all comes out, everything that just happened. She tries to console him, but the words just seem to be bouncing off. Finally, she says, Mike, I love you. I'm proud of you. You didn't do anything wrong. We're going to be okay. Because I know Christ is all we need. Now, to some of you, that might sound trite. Others of us want to believe that statement. We want to know that when our hopes are dashed and our lives are turned upside down, that Christ is enough. And indeed, we may believe it at some level. I mean, we we know that Christ is all we need in light of eternity. But our eternal destination is only part of the concern. We need answers for temporal questions right now, don't we? Is Christ enough for our broken heart? Is Christ enough for our calm our fears? Is he enough to feed our families? Is Christ enough to give direction to our lives and destroy the grip of sin that just seems to keep tearing me down? As born-again believers, we're grateful that Christ secures our eternal destination, but how is he at meeting our immediate needs? I hope that by the time we complete our study this morning that uh, that question is going to be more crystal to you. That the sufficiency and the nature of Christ is emphasized throughout the book of Colossians, which we're going to look at. But especially put forth very strongly in the first chapter. It is here that, that, that Jesus is described as God, creator, ruler, sustainer, the head of the church, and Savior, that Christ reigns supreme, and that is where our security rests. I've been off the grid for a little bit, but I sure hope that you've been keeping up with God's grand story of the New Testament 
as we've been going through this together, it's a great way to take all of the New Testament, all the little pieces, and sort of put them together in a cohesive unit. Um, this past week, less, the lesson five week, week, the week of lesson five, and all those lessons deal with Paul's letters to the churches. As Paul writes these letters to the churches, he presents Christ as he needs to be made known. As you know, before that, they, they didn't have a good picture of who Christ was. It was through Paul's letters that he makes Christ known. And today's passage captures for us better than any of who Christ is for you and for me. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, uh, chapters or verses 15 through 19, and that's page 1086 in that white or blue Bible on the seat near you. You can open that and you can read along with us. Colossians 1, 15 to 19. We catch a glimpse of who Christ truly is. Check out the security and the peace that we have in him. I want to just, as you're doing that, I want to just say this to you. A.W. Tozer once said, The most important thought anyone can have is a correct understanding of God's attributes. His attributes. And that's a little of what we'll be looking at here this morning. So verse 15, let's begin reading. He, meaning Christ, is the... Image of the invisible God, Paul writes, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now in those verses, there are six aspects of Christ's nature represented there. Each aspect strengthens our own security and peace of who Christ is. Let's take a few moments and we'll unpack this together, um, beginning with the first one. Number one, Jesus is your God. Jesus is your God. Verse 15, look at there. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And then you have your eyes cast down to verse 19. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's the image of the invisible God, and in him all the fullness of God dwells bodily. Now, why is Paul writing these words to the Colossian church? Paul understands that there is a certain uh, false system of doctrine or heresy that had already been creeping in and being propagated in the church at Colossae. And he understands that because Epaphras, uh, the likely the pastor of the church, the founder of the church, uh, had traveled some 1,000 miles all the way from Colossae to Rome, where Paul was, to speak to him and tell him about what was going on in Colossae. One such heresy then relates to the deity of Jesus Christ. The heretics were saying that Christ is not God. Uh, where have you heard that before? That he is not sufficient for salvation. That in addition to Christ, there must be the worship of spirits, of angels. There must be special visions. And there must be a certain knowledge that is sort of a super knowledge beyond that which is attainable only through Christ. 
In fact, the heretic said that Jesus Christ is only one in a long line of emanations, emanating spirits, all descending from God the Father. Some good, some bad, and Jesus is just one of them. One of the good ones. At least they gave him that. But he is not God. He is not even an adequate savior. Knowledge beyond him is the only way to salvation they would preach, they would teach, and they did. So Paul attacks this particular heresy, which apparently had, had developed into what was what we now know as Gnosticism years later. The attack was at the deity of Jesus Christ and his total sufficiency as their savior. So Paul writes to them. He says, look, Jesus is not, not just a good man, not a miracle worker, not just a prophet, not just a revolutionary leader. Jesus is God, Paul writes. He is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God was like? Then you want to look to Christ. If you want to know the wisdom of God, you look to Christ. If you want to know the, the mercy of God, then look to Christ. You want to know the power of God or the grace of God or the truth of God or the glory of God, then you look to Christ. Because all the fullness of God dwells in him. That word fullness means the sum total or completeness. Paul writes again in chapter 2, verse 9, the next chapter over. For in him, in Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is God. That word translated image means the manifestation or the appearance, the visible form. The word is used to describe a person's reflection in a mirror. So that when you and I wake up in the morning and we look ourselves in the mirror, you say, do, you, do I really look like that? And you say, that's exactly the way you look. That is the, that is the exact image of what you look like first thing in the morning. Jesus is the exact representation, the exact image of the invisible God. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, has expressed in the tangible qualities of God in a tangible form. God walked the earth. The apostle who Jesus loved wrote in John chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. And then verse 14, what happened? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld and seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. If the Word is God and the Word is Jesus, then Jesus is God. The writer of the Hebrews says something very similar, declares in chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, meaning Christ, the exact imprint or expression, one translation says, the exact imprint or expression of his nature and he upholds or he sustains the universe by the word of his power Jesus is God and all the attributes and the abilities of God are in Christ now listen if God is Jesus and Jesus is God is anything impossible for him is there a sickness that he cannot heal Is there a bill he cannot pay? Is there a problem he cannot fix? 
Is there a marriage you cannot restore? Jesus is God. See, when you understand the deity of Christ, there's great security in that. He's your God. Secondly, he's your creator. He's your creator. Look at verse 16. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Those four, those four words, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities, are all references to various ranks of spiritual beings or angels. Remember here, Paul is, is attacking a heresy that held to this cascade of emanations from a holy God to a very putrid earth. And that's the only way a, a holy God could reach a putrid earth would be all these emanations that would come down. And that Christ was merely one of those many. But this clearly shows that, that, that who claimed that those who claim that Jesus was merely an angelic being, that he wasn't God, it really is an insult to his dignity. Jesus is superior to the angels as the creator is superior to, to the creature. Jesus is not an artist. An artist takes what is and makes something beautiful. The creator takes what is not And brings it into being. And when you understand that Christ is creator, you you can find security in knowing that God is not limited to the resources that we have. Or to the opportunities that we see. He's not limited to the the strength that we possess. He, He is so much a creative potential within him that he can speak to the invisible and make it visible. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God spoke everything into existence is by the power of his word. He created plants and animals and seas and land and people and planets and stars and galaxies and space and time and matter and all these things. Jesus is the creator and he created everything by the power of his word. Is there anything too great for his power? Now take Christ's creative power and apply it to your life. When you're concerned about the health of a loved one, remember, Jesus is the creator. Now, when you're in need of a job, remember, all he has to do is speak the word. When your courage is gone, your faith is wavering, and your hope is flickering, remember, Jesus doesn't need a head start to fix your problem. He can speak your answer into being. If he chooses to. You are secure in Christ. There's a third. Verse 17. First part. It says. He is before all things. Meaning Jesus is your ruler. He rules. He is not a passive creator. Who watches and creates and then stands idly by. He's a ruler. He's the king of all kings. He's before all things. He's Lord. He is sovereign. He is God. So that when you pray later tonight, you put your pet on the pillow, you keep in mind that you're just, you're just not sharing your heart with someone who cares about you. When you, when you pray, you're sharing your heart with one who's in charge. <laughs> He's in charge. 
Jesus loves you and he tells you to cast your cares upon him, 1 Peter 5, 7. And all that would be very encouraging if, if Christ was just concerned. However, he can actually do something about the trials you're facing. Because Jesus rules. And we find great security in that. I was in junior high gym class when Coach D swore in my face. He used Jesus' name in vain. I don't know the exact circumstances of what I did or what it was all about, but I do remember he swore right at me, calling me out, using Jesus' name in vain, and it really bothered me. And that night I was sitting in the living room working up the courage to tell my dad what Coach D said. Now, he knew Coach D pretty well. And he listened carefully to all that I said. And when I was done, he said, let's call Mr. D. Christina. And he always had his newspapers, and he always had the telephone right by his chair. He picked up the phone. And I heard my dad stand up for me. Calmly tell Mr. D, he doesn't need to use that kind of language around my son, around around me, to get me to do what needs to be done. I can't tell you what that did for me. The security it brought to my heart, I remember it even to this day. But like my dad, Jesus rules. And he's not just concerned. He's able to do something about it. Jesus is your ruler. Fourthly, Jesus is your sustainer. Now, I'm no scientist, but I don't believe life would exist without Christ. Sustaining, holding it all together. Let's take dry air, for example. Dry air is primarily made up of nitrogen, 78.09%. 78.09%. Oxygen, 20.95%. And the remaining 1% is made up of argon and carbon dioxide and other trace gases. Who keeps that mixture all the right mix? Who keeps it all in proportion and the percentage is correct? How do planets know which path to take? How do birds know to fly south in the winter? Who, who makes crops grow when the rain fall? I sound like God and talking to Job, right? Some of you know that story. The end of Job. God tells Job what it's all about. Who feeds the animals? Who churns the seas? Who controls the seasons? Who keeps the earth perfectly tilted on its axis? His name is Jesus, and he's the sustainer, and by him all things hold together. Sometimes life seems to be coming apart. Pretty overwhelming, you know what I mean? Issues keep coming at us without resolution, without answers. Problems seem to be endless. There's so much to do, and yet we are so limited in our control over things And there are times when you just want to go to the sideline and resign yourself to the fact that what's going to happen is going to happen. 
Jesus never felt helpless. There is never a time when he cannot wear every hat or juggle every ball or keep every plate spinning in the air. That day after day after day, he cares for every one of your and my needs. And he knows exactly what to do and when to do it. Jesus is your sustainer. So when you feel helpless, you run to Jesus. Because your security is in him. He's your sustainer. And fifthly, Jesus is the head of the church. Verse 18 And he is the head of the body, the church. Well, I thought Dave Wolf was our lead pastor. Well, he is. But he's not the head of the church. Oh, I thought Scott Lewis was the elder chair. Oh, yes, he is. But he's not the head of the church. People may hold leadership positions in the church, but Christ is the head of the church. My hope is not in a man to lead this church because men are going to fail you. They're going to disappoint you. They're not going to live up to all your expectations. They're imperfect. They're fallible. But Christ, Christ will direct the church. He will position the church and he will use the church for his purposes. As Scott Lewis prayed earlier today, because he is the head. That our security is not in a man Or a human leader, no matter how good they may be, our security is in Christ as our head of this church. Lastly, Jesus is your Savior. Verse 20, Jesus is your Savior. Look at verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's what did it. The blood of the cross brought peace and reconciliation for all the world made possible to come to God. Now, God wants to reconcile now all things to himself. But I'm telling you right now, the top of the list, at the top of that list, is you. I don't care who you are or where you are in your spiritual journey right now. It's you. You were created for a relationship with God. That we are all made with a hole in our heart that only he can fill. And on our own, we try anything and everything in this world to try to fill it. But I promise you that in doing so, it'll leave you with an emptiness that only God could fill. And God created us that way. Why? Why would he do, why would he create us like that? To move you, to drive you, to lead you to a dependent relationship with him as our father. As it's meant to be. That's the way it's meant to be. Sin made a mess of all that. Sometimes people get saved. Having said the sinner's prayer. And they move no farther than that the whole rest of their life. Don't be satisfied in knowing that Jesus is your ticket to heaven. There's so much more about God that that you and I need to lean into for the completeness and the wholeness that he can bring to your life that changes everything. And that's what we're talking about here this morning. 
You may be thinking, well, I'm, a, I'm a loner, Jay. I, I'm an island. You know, God made me that way. No. No, you were made for communion with the Creator. You cannot deny that. You are much better off and you are made more complete as a person with accountability and responsibility to the God who made you. There's so much more to life when you submit yourself to Him. You're not made to be unto yourself, to go it alone. Boy, that became real to me this, these past few weeks with a hip surgery. That when I came home from Jefferson, I, I couldn't do anything. I felt so helpless, you know, uh, or so it seemed. I mean, I couldn't bend over to pick anything that fell on the floor. My, my mother-in-law did that and she threw her hip out and that was the end of that. So I'm not going to do that. I couldn't help with the dishes. That's, that's what I do. I always put the dishes away. I try to do it before Kim gets up in the morning. That's what, what, what do I try to do? I couldn't do it. I can't dress myself. It's humbling. It's frustrating. I'm doing better. I can do everything, but I can't put my socks on yet. I still struggle with that. My point is, I couldn't do it alone. That Kim has been there to assist me every hour of every day. My friend, the same is true of your Heavenly Father. He is there to assist you every moment of every day, every hour, if you call on Him. You were made with a hole in your heart, with an emptiness and a desperate need that only He can fill. And you need a relationship with Christ. You need to walk with Christ You need to draw close to him relationally through his word because that's how it happens, through his word. We feel secure in him, but it's hard to believe how much God loves us because oftentimes we we don't see ourselves like that. We don't even love ourselves very much. We don't like ourselves. We only see our faults, and it's knowing those faults that drag us down and lead us to feelings of insecurity. Well, don't go there. Did you know in the New Testament that there are nearly 100 I am or I have statements for the believer to know and to claim? Nearly 100. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I am loved. I am made in his image. I am of the royal priesthood. I am sealed. I am gifted. And on and on and on. We need to understand who God says we are far more importantly than who we or the culture says we are. And that's why we need constant fellowship with him and in his word. That's where security comes from, knowing his word and his promises to us. You want to build security in the life of your child? Wouldn't it be great? If the last thing you said to them as they crawl into bed and peer off underneath the covers is something God would say to them if he were there to say it himself in an audible voice. You say it. You speak for him. And what if when you, when you wake up in the morning you declare to them something that that God would declare to them if, if he were right there talking to them in that morning, in that hour. 
It's God's word that brings life to us and brings purpose and meaning and security. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for your sin and mine. He rose from the dead so that we might have life. That's the gospel. And he offers eternal life and a reconciled relationship with him to anyone who who repents of their sins by placing their trust in Christ alone for their salvation. That was the message. That is the message. As As Christians, we are secure in Christ because we have been reconciled with God. We don't need to feel like God is out to get us or that God's mad at us. Because in Romans 8 verse 1 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we can boldly come before the throne of grace in humility and confidence, secure in Christ. My question, do you have security in Christ that way this morning? Do you know him? Have you confessed your sin to him? Has he filled your heart and filled up that emptiness with himself? Do you see now better how these six aspects of Christ's nature bring security to you as a believer? See, I'm telling you right now, you don't need more money. You don't need more time. You don't need more opportunities. You don't need more ability. My friend, your greatest need right now is to know Christ and to live every moment in fellowship with him. You are secure in Christ because he is all you need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts today. May your word prove to be all that we need, not just for eternity, Father, but for every day. Every day we walk this earth. Lord, some here this morning have been trying to fill that emptiness of their life with everything that the world has to offer, and there's so much out there. And it'll never fill. It'll never bring fulfillment. May life with you bring everything. May continued emptiness, Lord, lead them directly to you. Directly to you as our God, our creator, our ruler, our sustainer, the head of the church, our savior, Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray.